All right, so I'm going to do a little a little intro. Even though we don't have a name for the podcast, I'm still going to do an intro. Oh, we got to come up with a name. We got to come yeah. up with a name. I had a good, a good idea for the name, maybe. It was, um, so you want to be called Michael for sure? Or yeah. Mike, yeah. Michael. Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking um, there was 199 weeks between the conception of this idea and to, to the start of the ceremony in 2020, like yep. opening ceremonies. Yeah. So I thought of doing like 199 or 199 or something with that number just because it's kind of a cool number. Like that countdown kind of? Yeah, kind of like a countdown. We'll do like updates from there, like maybe 199 with Mitch and Michael or something like that. Yeah. Um, I also thought of an idea, maybe like the progress report. Okay. Um, would be another cool one. So I, I have a couple ideas I've, I've written down, but we'll we'll figure out that out later. Um, okay. So I'll start. Welcome to the 199 Podcast, where I'll be dissecting the life and progress of a possible future Olympian, with 199 weeks from the inaugural episode to the opening ceremonies of the 2022 Beijing Winter Games. You'll be able to listen to Michael and I dive into his superhuman abilities, his background, his vulnerabilities and roadblocks, to his overall progress and the road to the Olympics. Catch Olympic politics, behind the scenes, and special guests. Sit back for intriguing and powerful stories. I've never been in the moment more than when I'm going down that ice. Traveling at ridiculous speeds. Yeah. Just self-reflection. I've definitely been bitten by the bug. The speed bug? Yeah, the speed bug. Hey everyone, my name is Mitch Holdsworth and I'm the host of the Blank Podcast. I'm going to be joined with my co-host momentarily, but before that, I'd like to introduce him. He's a son, a nephew, a friend, a coach, a mentor, an ambassador for his lifestyle. And most importantly for this show, he's an athlete. An athlete training to compete in the 2022 Olympic Games Games in Beijing, China. Michael Anderson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, Okay, so now we're both extremely new to this um, and we're essentially just gonna fake it until we make it uh, or we're gonna experiment with a couple different concepts and we'll see if anything sticks um, so if you're listening you know let us know how it's how it's going how it's working any feedback um, and just so we're not wasting any dead time let's just jump right into it and uh, see if any of these questions start with some or lead to some conversation um, okay, so Michael, we're in an elevator, and we're going up to the top floor, and it's a tall building, okay, so 100 stories maybe, so we're going to have about 60 seconds until the door opens um, at the top, so if we're in an, inter- if we're in an elevator with a, you know, a couple of important people that you'd like to introduce yourself, how, how would you do that? How would I introduce myself? Um, I think I would try to approach it just as... I would with anybody else, even if they were of significant importance or something like that, and just try to make it as comfortable of an environment as I could and get a real feel for who that person is. Even in that 60 seconds, just try to see, not you know, point out what they've done or anything like that, but just introduce myself as a normal person and try to get 
an honest, real response back from them and not some sort of kind of like typical response or something that they've just rehearsed over and over. Sure. Okay. So, so you're wanting to maybe bounce, um, the vibe or the feeling from them that, you know, how the relationship's going to start, maybe, you know, tailoring your, your introduction to them a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And I mean, also being me being real on my end, but treating them just as a normal person, not based on what they've necessarily done done or where they're at but who they really are sure okay so let's do it so 60 seconds you have 60 seconds uh start off i'm michael whatever and you can go from there 60 seconds to introduce yourself you know where you've been what you've done where you're going whatever you want all right cool um all right so hi my name is michael anderson i am currently a skeleton athlete attempting to make the 22 olympic games in beijing china uh, leading up to this point, I've been a triathlete, I've been a crossfitter, I've been a runner, I've been a swimmer, a yogi, everything in between, and that's just kind of the surface of who I am. I like to think of myself as somebody who really is honest and straightforward, but also at the same time someone who is a little bit delicate and sensitive with other people and not just being too blunt with everyone um make sure that i'm supportive of not just friends and family but whether it's somebody that i'm meeting for the first time or the hundredth time if there's something i can do for them whether it's a pat on the back or actually something more significant and time consuming that i'm there for them and i'd like to help make an improvement or an impact on their life more than anything okay great that was awesome um, and something that I'm really interested in is maybe seeing the difference in these answers, you know, over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, because that introduction today on April the 19th, 2018 is going to be hopefully, uh, and maybe surely a lot different from 2022. Yeah. I'm um, sure so we'll, we'll definitely have to, uh, bookmark this one and, uh, and check it out in a few years. Um, and so, so let's stick with definitions for a second then, or, or, um, or kind of define some terms that we can that we can share to kind of together here. So, um, skeleton is defined by the Olympic committee committee or the Olympics. I've never been in the moment more than when I'm going down that ice. It forces you to be in that sixty seconds, fifty seconds, whatever your time is, and you are nowhere else at that moment. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's one of the kind of the most beautiful aspects of of sports like that. Um, similarly, maybe even rock climbing, you Absolutely. know, sports where you have to be just super in the moment and just focusing on every movement, uh, whether it's mental or physical. Um, and what came up with to me uh, when you said the you know the controlled chaos was a fighter pilot. Um, they often land on aircraft carriers, and those are um, sometimes referred to as controlled crashes just because yeah. you only have, you know, a hundred meters, uh, more or less, uh, to land an airplane. Yeah. Um, so that's that, traveling at ridiculous speeds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so let's just jump into speed now because I wanted to touch on that. Um, and we can, this is a great segment to go into that. You're traveling upwards to 80 miles an hour on some of these courses, sometimes yeah. more. Yeah. And Whistler, British Columbia is the fastest track in the world. Yeah, to my knowledge, yeah, that's the fastest one there is right now. Okay, good. To your knowledge, I guess we need to do some more homework before we start spitting out facts I on the podcast. I think Park City's had some 
pretty fast times. Whistler's had, I would say it's probably the fastest consistently. I mean, there's Park City, if you have good ice, if you had some hard ice, you can, I've seen guys breaking some pretty fast times on there. Mm. But Whistler is just the drop from the top to some of the top turns are, it's just, it's crazy. And so do you get any of the, the famous roller coaster stomach drops on any of these courses? No. Um, so far, I've never – I don't think I'll ever experience that. I don't think anybody does. Um, one reason being just the way you're positioned on the ice, you're so close to the ground and your center of gravity is inches above it. Uh, you don't get that sensation of a stomach drop or something like that. But the sensation that you do – get more than anything is especially in the big the big turns you get uh g-forces actually pressed on you and some of them's upwards to five g's and it just slams your head and um that in itself is a very interesting sensation is it addicting at all absolutely at least to me it's been very addicting the people i know who don't like it definitely don't return to it but for me it I've definitely been bitten by the bug. Sure, the speed bug. Yeah, the speed bug. The speed we'll bug. <laughs> so you you've you've heard or seen people dislike the feeling or walk away from it. Yeah, after so a try or two. When I f- the first time I actually slid down, and I was in Park City the first time I actually slid, and it was for uh, drive school. And we don't start from the top; we start from a lower position on the track, so you don't get quite as much speed. But the group that I was with. There were definitely more than half the people, handful of us I've seen since then, but majority of the people there just came off and they just didn't like it. They were uncomfortable. They didn't get in the zone. They didn't just get, uh, they didn't feel comfortable with it, and which is totally understandable. But even going 70, 80 miles an hour on that ice, you have to be relaxed on the sled. And it's kind of hard to do that unless you love it, unless you love that moment. Yeah, I'm sure it is probably pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough to say calm when, when the definition of skeleton is plummeting headfirst down a steep and treacherous ice track. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go back a little bit. And, uh, and I wanted to ask you, what is the typical reaction that you get when you explain or define skeleton to loved ones, friends, neighbors, anyone even passing by that's curious about you? So since we're in Fayetteville, Arkansas, initially people, when they hear that, they're kind of like, but you're in Arkansas, how are you doing that sport? And it's just kind of a disconnect. And then I'll kind of give them a little quick explanation of how I got started. And then the question usually after that is just, well, not even a question. It's a statement typically. It's just, you're crazy. Um, (laughs) I mean, people are very interested in it and a little bit blown away, but it's definitely something out of the norm from anything else in in the area that you experience. So maybe it's so so different that people sometimes don't even think about the um, coolness factor, or they're just they're just so curious. Maybe. Yeah, I would say because um, typically before people think of skeleton or even know of skeleton, they're familiar with bobsled to an extent. Sure. Um, whether it's because they saw cool runnings or something (laughs) like that. Um, But skeleton, once I kind of explained that, it's just a lesser-known sport of the two. 
then people are just usually a little bit awestruck as to just kind of how crazy it sounds. But then also I think a little bit they're wondering, like, why would you do something like that? Or just kind of trying to understand, I guess, the appeal of it. And I th- I would say I think I'm pretty normal. Most of us that compete in the sport are. But it definitely takes a certain person to actually enjoy going down the ice 70 or 80 miles an hour face first sure okay so you this is good so you said you're pretty normal so there's got to be a little bit something something there that makes you a little non-normal to be wanting to compete as a skeleton athlete in the olympics do you know what that might be have you figured it out yet i haven't figured it out but i'd say over the past probably seven years or so, six or seven years, I've started to notice a pattern developing as far as for me to really, I love everyday life and love being in the, just the routine of things. And, but there's definitely an aspect to who I am where the more extreme situations are where I, I flourish, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. um, first time I did skydiving, I came off and I thought it was one of the most relaxing experiences I've ever had, which people were kind of like, that's a little bit odd coming when you just jumped out of a plane. Um, and then when I started triathlons, I started with a sprint, which is the shortest distance. And then within a year, I was doing half Ironman, ultra distance runs, and just kind of like I just want to go as big as it can go and push myself to the limit. And um, I kind of started seeing that trend in the past six or seven years of see how far I could push my body physically and mentally. Sure. So a little bit of a little bit of crazy with your mostly normal then. I, yeah, mostly normal with a side of crazy. Side yeah. of crazy. Okay. We'll dish it up for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sounds good. So what I've – what I've learned from you, Michael, and what I've kind of been surprised about getting to know you is that you are pretty normal and we have all kinds of great conversations that involve fitness, the Olympics, um, but also conversations that have nothing to do with fitness and the Olympics. Um, and, and that's really cool to me to be able to um, think ahead to uh, a potential Olympic athlete, um, you know, but also relating back to just like super authentic and just kind of cool conversations. Yeah. Um, and I want to be able to do that for anyone listening too. I want to be able to create a platform where people aren't intimidated by, you know, doing a hundred mile run, you know, that they could never dream of Yeah. 30 triathlons that they could never dream of dream of or an Olympic, you know, trial that they could never dream of. So let me ask you, what is your biggest weakness? As far as for an athlete or just from a personal perspective? From a personal perspective, yeah. Let's let's take it down. Um, Okay. I would say my biggest weakness is my lack of being content. Mm. Um, And it's... While, you know, it definitely, that's a big drive and a big help in pushing me forward to chase this Olympic dream and also my past endeavors with ultra distance stuff or anything like that. 
it kind of, when it spills over into situations outside of, um, you know, a marathon or something like that, it can, it definitely has some negative effects just with always never being just able to sit in that moment and be content with it, being able to fully take it in and be like, okay, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. I'm happy with this result. I'm happy with, with where this moment is right now. And that's something that I know I would say is definitely my, my biggest weakness and it, it affects relationships and, and whatnot too. I've seen that. And when do you think you started noticing this, this push for more in your life, whether it be physical, mental, relationship-wise? Um, the first half Ironman that I completed, uh, it, well, the first half Ironman I did, I've, I finished, and my mom and my aunt were there. Across the finish line, I hugged them. I was crying a little bit just out of joy. But then within 30 minutes after it, and I still remember it now, I wanted more. I looked at my time after that, and within 30 minutes after that, and I'd been training for eight months, ten months, hard. And immediately after that sensation of finishing, I wanted, okay, what's the next one I can do to beat my time? Or what's the next big thing? That was a half Ironman. It wasn't a full. That wasn't good enough. I need to find a full to do. Or just something like that. And I would say that when I saw that, I didn't recognize it then. But since then, I can say that that moment was when after that, it just started spiraling. And so at the moment when you realized that you wanted more, you obviously didn't think like, oh, shit, this could be a problem. Later on, you were you know, more excited than anything. Yeah. So when did you when do you think you started noticing maybe like oh, I need to be more content in my you know routine life or. I need to be okay with this result or that result. Do you, did you have another epiphany kind of moment? Yeah, I did. It wasn't as at the time again, it wasn't just smack me in my face realization kind of thing. It was after the fact, but sort of towards the tail end of my endurance career, right before I started pursuing the Olympics, that was kind of a similar situation that was my life training for that nutrition that was everything revolved around that and I was able to balance it in a healthy way with friends family to an extent it was kind of like right on the line but I was able to and I was in a relationship at the time and then the Olympic thing happened uh in June 2015 is kind of when it started and it wasn't bad at first but after it started I realized that okay this is this is a possibility. This isn't just, uh, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, go out and try or something like that. Like, this is something that could actually become true. That's when I basically turned the dial past 100, and it was, that was my life. Everything revolved even more so around achieving that, what I could do to make that happen. And the relationships I had, for the most part, with friends and family, we're okay, they're manageable, but as far as girlfriend relationship, that's the reason, one of the main reasons that ended. And at the time, I didn't recognize it. Mm. After it ended, though, there was a lot of um, 
just self-reflection and kind of looking at myself just, okay, what happened? And that was, that's when it smacked me in my face. Like, okay, this is great that it's driving you for that purpose, but you can't do this and at the same time hold a healthy relationship. Either you just can't try it or you need to have some serious self-work and try to figure out a way to manage it and make both work. So that was probably the next big epiphany I had. And that was about four years after the first one. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, I'm excited to dig into that more. Um, <laughs> we will definitely talk all about epiphanies and, um, and big mental, mental decisions. Uh, and by Olympic thing in 2015, that was when you kind of discovered the possibility of, of making the team? Yeah, so December 2014 was my last big ultra-distance race that I did, and I took a couple months off just to recover. And then beginning of 2015, there was a combine in June of that year, of 2015, for Bobsled Skeleton Team. And through an acquaintance and a friend, I kind of got turned on to being aware of that. So contacted them, got registered, and flew out to Colorado Springs in, uh, at the Olympic Training Center there and did the combine there and did much better than what I anticipated. I was going out just for fun, just to say I was trying it. And it kind of sort of planted that, that idea seed. yeah, of, well, maybe this is something that like I could I can pursue. And it just, it took root and it spun out of control. And now we're sitting here in 2018 yeah. uh, talking about what it could lead to in the next four years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's great because we will, we will dive into that again. We'll probably do a full you know, episode or, or special on maybe f- you finding the Olympics or finding the, the spark that is going gonna, is gonna to carry you through. Uh, we'll do one more question for today. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I want to ask you, what is, what is an athlete or personality of athlete or, or lifestyle even of an athlete that you want to be like? So maybe, you know, a mentor or someone you look up to that's, that's strictly a professional athlete or in that industry. Yeah. So my whole, as I've developed as an athlete and I guess you could say professional athlete, even though I'm not making money off this yet, <laughs> hopefully yet, um, but it's what I really want is I want to get to that upper echelon. I want to be at that elite level, but I don't want that to make me any different from anybody else on the street. Um, I want to kind of, I want to do it without losing any humility. I want to show everyone that, listen, you can, I don't care what your background is, what your lifestyle growing up was or anything like that, the challenges you've had, you can do this. You can do this and you can not make, you can keep yourself whole. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to, you know, I mean, you see a lot of athletes now and there's, there are some great athletes out there who are phenomenal role models. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you also see, and part of it's, you know, I think maybe just sort of the way the media portrays some of it, but you're always hearing negative 
stories and stuff like that, or, you know, maybe things got to their head or something like that. But they're all, you know, everybody's started somewhere and everybody comes from something. It's not that they were born with this already or anything like that. And I wish that more people would see that about themselves and whether I fail or succeed, it's still about just giving everything you got. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, if I walk away with or without a gold medal or whatever happens in four years, I'll be happy because I know that up to this point, at least I'm giving everything I have. Keeping that roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so is there a specific athlete that you look up to? This probably leans away from the humility thing, sure. but not really. There are definitely athletes I admire and things they've done that I admire, but I don't hold them. I don't hold them up like these idols or anything like that because not that they don't deserve to be or the work they've put in doesn't deserve the recognition, mm -hmm. but I think it's really. I don't want it to take away from me or anyone else that somebody else could do it, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's phenomenal what they do. And I don't want anybody to hold me up as an idol or anything like that. But if they, you know, can kind of learn from my journey, maybe take some of the advice or maybe I give some good points and it helps them along the way, then that's, that's what I want. That's great. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good answer because I think it's really easy to look at athletes, especially the professional elite athletes, and want to be just like them. Mm -hmm. um, but often it's just not kind of fair to yourself because of the background they do come from. And yeah. and like you said, there are there are examples where athletes come from nothing or have you know struggles with depression or all kinds of really great stories. Um, but there are a, you know a number of other people that have just had it kind of easy their whole yeah. life and just training to become this elite professional athlete. So I, I think that's very uh, respectable to, to create the story of, you know, almost the opposite um, yeah. and just giving people that, that hope and faith. Um, I also think it would be really fun to maybe do a, do a segment on some unique stories from Olympians and stuff, because, you know, it would be great to open up the eyes of, of people to see like, wow, you know, these guys are bussing tables. Yeah. at night, right? Just to pay for training and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I have hundreds of stories that I've seen or heard about kind of similar things with, um, and I mean, you can look all this up, just, it's pretty unbelievable. Just, I mean, you've probably met them before and you don't even know yeah. whether it's your plumber or something like that. And it might be a guy who's going for the, who was going for the South Korea games or sure. something like that. Sure. Yeah. No, that's really awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll dig into that because, you know, you have a story yourself, you know, this morning you were training, coaching at you know, five thirty six AM. So, um, we, we have the content right here in front of us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dig into that. Uh, well, Michael, I think this was a successful first episode. What do you think? Yeah, it was fun. It okay. was much easier than I was expecting. Yeah. Were you nervous <laughs> yeah. at all? Uh, yeah, I don't like hearing myself talk. So. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, we haven't heard ourselves talk yet, so it's still good. But you can listen to it and then you can tell, tell me. <laughs> it sounds good. I think we were good on ums and likes. I, th I, I think so too. I honestly think so. Yeah. Um, so I will, I will upload this and we'll see how it sounds online. Um, but everyone listening to all of our 
hundreds of fans. Potential. Potential uh, sponsors. sponsors everybody. Like um, thanks for listening. Uh, we have lots of really cool stories, you know, coming your way. We're going to be talking about financial hardships. We're going to be talking about um, some of the discipline and, and doubt and mental aspects of training um, and long-term goals, you know, like a four-year long-term kind of goal like the Olympics. Uh, we're going to be talking about failures, you know, some of your failed races even in, in ultra running and and some, some cool inspiring stories there. So uh, we'll, we'll keep everyone up to date. We'll, we'll create an email or Twitter and we'll try to get some, some spots for, for feedback and uh, you'll be hearing from us again. So thank you, Michael. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Awesome.